Well, I invite you to turn with me in the Bible, if you would, to a couple of passages we're going to look at this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 is one of those. Ephesians is in the New Testament. Galatians that we'll look at is as well uh, after First and Second Corinthians. But before you get to uh, the book of Hebrews, or where several of these books are, are tucked in. And, and I want to, uh, to sort of introduce it uh, this way. I've been thinking this week and really the last couple of weeks about the work that Christ accomplished for us. And, of course, on Easter week and sort of coming on the other side of that, we, we think about what he did in his death. Uh, we talked about that already earlier in our worship service today. We, we think about, of course, and focus last week rightly on his resurrection and all of the meaning of that. Uh, the, the way maybe that I, I want to help us think about it is that really when you think about the work of Christ, it's something in which so much is encapsulated, so many features to it, so many elements of it that really you can look at it from so many different directions. And it's amazing if we uh, dwell on it, give attention to it, what we see. Uh, maybe maybe one illustration would be uh, this little device. Maybe some of you all have one of these, a little Swiss Army knife. I don't know if you can see it from the back, a little red Swiss Army knife, because it's handy that it's got a little cross on it. That fits well uh, with the old sermon illustration. But, you know, these Swiss Army knives are pretty cool. I've, I've had one of some sort from my, my very early uh, days. My grandpa gave me one. And, you know, if you can get them bigger and bigger and bigger, this is kind of like the medium-sized one that I actually borrowed from one of my one of my sons. But, you know, it's called a knife, so you know it's got a, the knife blade on it, of course, and, and that's that's positive. But if you if you look at it a little bit closer, you know, a lot of them have a Phillips uh, head screwdriver on the back. This one has little tweezers, little toothpick. I'm not sure you'd want to use this toothpick that's found in my son's uh, uh, pocket knife, but there it is. And and then, you know, it's got even some things. So each of these has a is a different feature, a different element. And then some of them, even this one is got the screwdriver flathead on the end. It can pop a bottle lid open, maybe help uh, Ben Halbrooks and his family with their drinking uh, scenario, cans and whatnot. And then it's got uh, a, a wire trimmer. I'm not sure that would ever really work, but theoretically it's there. All these little features and then sub-features even within them. All right, well, I'm an equal opportunity person here, so uh, I know you guys were worried about me last week with my light blue slacks, and here we go. We've got a purse out this week. So... We're bringing this out. Uh, you know, I borrowed this from our closet this morning without really letting my wife know. But this looks like a, a purse that she had at some point. And, you know, these things are amazing, too, because you guys have maybe had, you know, you said your wife says, hey, well, you're over the car and my purse is in there. Grab something for me. You know, that's going to be an adventure. And you, 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 if you've learned, you've said, OK, which pocket and which location? And speaking of numbers on sign, it'd be nice if there were numbers on these, but there aren't. But anyway, you know, you look inside of here and and there's all these zipper pockets here. There's a middle pocket as well. There's separate little things designed just for the license and the the uh, wallet and whatever ladies carry in here. And then you've got makeup sections. Some of them will turn right inside out and presto change will turn into another purse as well, a different looking one. So, you know, the, the same thing, there's there's uh, there's features to it. There's dynamics to it. And I, I thought about this with uh, with what Christ did. And hopefully maybe this is a picture for us. And my poor apologies to the kids who were at FCA at Bumpus on Friday because they got a little rehearsal of this message about adoption. Well, one of the features that Jesus has accomplished for you and me 
One of those things on the pocket knife. One of those elements to the, the purse, if you will, of what Christ has done for us is this thing called adoption. And it is an amazing thing that he's done for us in adopting us into his family. And, and I really think for a lot of us, we just, myself included, we don't, we don't think about it enough. It's not something that's at the center of our mind. Ask yourself this question today. When's the last time I remember just sitting, dwelling, uh, meditating, considering, delighting in my adopted status as a child of God, as a son or a daughter of God? And if you're like me and you maybe have trouble remembering the last time, except for I was preparing a sermon this week, that you that you've done that, that you camped out on that theme. I, I really hope today that as, again, an outworking of Easter week and and all that Jesus did in his death and resurrection, that we would see and dwell on that one feature this week called adoption. There's a lot of things that that Christ does for us. Of course, he he calls us to himself. We're going to see that he justifies us, declares us righteous before God. He sanctifies us, helps us to grow spiritually in relationship with him. We're told we're going to be glorified in the future. We're going to have this great existence. where We're actually freed up from the burdens of this life in this new situation. So all of those are features. Well, one of those is this idea of adoption. And I want you to read along with me then with that in mind. Hopefully that gets us oriented and thinking about where we are in our relationship with Christ and his adopting love. Let's start with Ephesians 1. And actually back in verse 3, we'll read a few verses there, jump to Galatians, and then I'll have one other that I'll just read to you. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1 verse 3, who has blessed us, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I guess we're blessed because it said it three times there in one sentence. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us. We won't get into all of that element today, but there, there it is, his sovereign calling of us. For what? Adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace. With which, there it is again, he's blessed us in the beloved. All right, a blessing package right there, centered around adoption, the theme of adoption. Jump over to Galatians. That's a couple of books later. There are, I'm sorry, forward, earlier in your Bible, before Ephesians, one book. Uh, Chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, and here's where we really see the connection to Easter week and God's plan as it speaks about Jesus being sent into the world. Verse 4 of Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption. And because you are sons, God has sent His Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And then one I'll just read to you that perhaps is maybe the most familiar verse we would know related to these themes. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we could be called the sons of God. Let's pray. 
Oh, Father, in the moments we have here today to focus in on your word and study this truth, this feature element of your saving work called adoption. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us in our walk with you, that if there's those here that have not experienced your adopting love, have not put their trust in you as their Lord and Savior, that they would come to know it and that all of us would grow beholding the blessing of our that our verses describe of our adopted status in Christ. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. As I said, I shared a little bit of this with a middle school group on on Friday at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I mentioned to them, I, I may have shared this with our church before, too, that I worked in previous ministry with a gentleman who uh, had been adopted. Both he and his older brother had. And I know we have some here in our church body that have been uh, adopted, perhaps both children and adults. And and I, I shared this because it was really powerful as I got to know my friend that I worked with and heard his story, his sharing about the the dynamics of being an adopted child. It gave me a, a perspective on it that I didn't have previously. And he he talked about the fact that he and his I think he was maybe three years old or so uh, when he was adopted. Maybe uh, his brother was about seven or eight. So older had had more time in the orphanage. And so it was fascinating to see those dynamics of living a an adopted life versus living an orphan life. And two things that my friend told me about his older brother, who had had more life living that orphan life and so had harder time moving into the adopted status that he enjoyed with their new new family. His older brother, uh, one time, uh, the parents, very early on when he was there, they, they found that in his bed under his mattress were all kinds of food items from the dinner table, pieces of, uh, of meat, uh, rolls, pieces of fruit, you know, things that started going bad a little bit after a few days that were stashed and stuck in underneath the mattress. I probably don't even have to explain to you all the sad uh, reality behind that situation. Uh, my friend's older brother had gotten so used to being uh, not sure that he would be taken care of, that he would have somebody that would look out for him. That at the dinner table in the orphanage, he had learned to stash stuff inside his sleeve and inside his pockets and sneak it back to the room to keep it on hand, right, for when he needed it. Hadn't learned, hadn't been able to learn that someone would watch out for him, that someone would love him, and he could trust that. That was one thing that he did. The the other thing that my friend told me that his older brother would do, they were in bunk beds. They stayed in bunk beds, at least in their early years. And my friend remembers, he said, I couldn't sleep at night. Because my brother at night would bang his head against the wall next to the bed. And I asked about that. I said, why was that? He said, well, and this is going to, this is going to sound bad, but it's just the nature that this was decades ago. In the orphanages that they stayed in, in order to make sure the kids were secure in the sense and didn't fall out of their beds or wander off, they strapped them in to the beds at night. So feet and hands strapped in. And so my friend's brother had grown used to, I mean, you and I know when you're in, <laughs> sleeping at night, you like to roll over this way a little bit from time to time and roll over this way. The poor boy, the only thing he had was able to move was the head. So he had gotten into the habit of 
moving his head at night. And so here he was in a new home, obviously free to move around his bed however you want to. And still that habit remained. And it reminded me that we have these orphan habits, orphan mentalities that we have such a hard time shaking, don't we? Such a hard time operating as adopted children of God. With those ideas in mind and maybe already some thoughts in your mind and mine about how these verses relate, I, I want to read a couple of quotes that are on your sheet there. There's a sermon note section for you in the back of your worship guide. Uh, just, a, just a few ideas that I hope we'll, we'll wrestle with today. Uh, one is from sort of a theological guy, Hokema. But he talks about how the Holy Spirit can bring these things into our hearts and minds. So you may be saying today, okay, wow, that's that's something I really do need to grasp at a deeper level. It sounds like it could be pretty transformative for my life. How do I receive it more deeply? Look, listen to what Hokema says. He says the reception of this sonship and the Bible talks about it. Just let me pause here. It does talk about it as sonship, as sons. The reason for that is that the sons in the biblical times would inherit that. Obviously, we can talk in a general way about being sons or daughters of God. But when the Bible uses that term, it's not trying to be sort of sexist or some gender thing. It's just that the inheritance came through the sons. So that's part of the picture that we want to get for it. So the reception of this sonship is accompanied by the reception of the Holy Spirit, who applies to our hearts and lives the redemption Christ earned for us. That spirit not only enables us to accept our sonship by faith, but also to give expression to it. By addressing God as our father. And because we have now been adopted by God as his sons and daughters, we've also become heirs of God, entitled to all the privileges and benefits of sonship. That's a great picture, particularly of how Holy Spirit can come into your life and my life and help us to more deeply experience what it is to be adopted into God's family. Martin Luther, one of the reformers back in the 1500s, wrote this. As a, as a sort of prayer about this theme. He said, Lord God, Heavenly Father, we, we know that we are dear children of yours and that you are our beloved Father, not because we deserve it. I like how Ben pointed that out earlier in our service. Nor could ever merit it. We can't get it in our own strength. But because, our dear Lord, your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, wills to be our brother. And of his own accord offers and makes us this blessing known to us. Since we may consider ourselves as brothers and sisters, you will permit us to become and remain your children forever. That's that's just another lens through which to look at it. That we're Jesus's brothers and sisters through what he's done for us. Jump on down to the last uh, quote there that you see by John uh, Murray. He says, adoption is this term that clearly implies a transfer from an alien family into the family of God. And he puts it this way. He says, surely this is the apex of grace and privilege. So if you've got the pocket knife and all the features, Murray's saying it's the absolute best one on it that you can can get. I'm sure we could make the case for some other elements of our salvation, but that's what he says. We would not dare to conceive of such grace, far less claim it apart from God's own revelation and assurance. You hear what he's saying? He's saying we, we couldn't dream this stuff up. And we certainly couldn't say that we have some right to this huge, remarkable status with God unless God's word told us it was true. And then he goes on to describe our relationship with the Lord through it. Well, I just want to mention a couple of passages that talk about 
some of the benefits of being children of God. And then there's a chart that I'm sure I provided for us in the in the past that's also in your worship guide that I think is a really helpful way to diagnose uh, where are we in living in an orphan status, remaining that way versus living in an adopted child status. So let's talk about those for just a minute. And that's that's really all I'm wanting us to to uh, to meditate on today. Hebrews four, though, is one passage. You don't need to turn there. Verse 16 reminds us that we, you and I, have the privilege that we've already enjoyed this worship service, that hopefully we're pursuing on a daily basis of approaching the throne of God in prayer. We can talk to God. We can speak to him as Abba Father. That's a unique and special Christian reality through Christ that we can speak to God in that in that way, in that relationship intimately with him. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 gives us sort of the other side of that. It reminds us in Hebrews chapter 12, we don't have time today to, to go camp out on it. But, hey, there's great privileges to being a child. There's also responsibilities. And it reminds us there that God disciplines you and I who are in Christ. Why? Well, why does a healthy parent seek to discipline their child? I'm not talking about a bad family situation. I'm talking about in a healthy, normal relationship. The parent disciplines the child for their benefit, for their well-being, to try to help them uh, get somewhere or learn something or avoid something that's damaging and harmful. Scriptures tell us God. Discipline is the same way. We've probably, all of us, tasted it at some point, haven't we? Where we've wandered outside, we've either failed to do the things that God calls us to do or done the things that God tells us not to do, and we've perhaps tasted some of the bitterness of that. And the Lord has allowed that to come into our lives in a way that's not, He's not kicking us out of His kingdom, out of His family. We're still welcome at the dinner table, but where He's allowing us to uh, to wrestle with maybe the results of of our lives and our turning away from him. So even God's discipline is handled in love as his children. We can know that he cares for us. Second Corinthians tells us we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then the last part of this is this idea that we're heirs. We read about that in the Galatians passage. And I was talking with the, the FCA group and I asked them, I said, well, what is an heir? And, I, I, you know, there's about 75 kids there and it's middle school, so they're probably not going to even try to get a guess at it if they even know about what it is. But it made me think, hey, do we really know what an heir is out there? You know, an heir is somebody that benefits and enjoys all the blessings. We think of an inheritance, but all the blessings of a relationship with a uh, parent or a guardian or somebody that's seeking to bestow those upon them. And when you have that status, you and I enjoy the privilege of being heirs of the living God. Well, even if you haven't turned there yet, turn in that worship guide sermon notes section. And let's just walk down through a couple of these. A contrast between an orphan and, a, and an adopted child. Boy, it's helpful for me when I read these. I'm going to get pinged on at least, uh, you know. 10 or 12 or 15, how many are there? Probably probably almost all of them. You know, what, what's it look like for you and I when we don't remember the status we have because of Christ as adopted children? We operate as orphans. One, we probably lack vital intimacy daily with God. You know, if you're, if you're struggling with that, maybe ch- take, take a look at where you are on this adoption idea. 
anxious about friends. You know, when we don't believe God's going to provide for us, we shove food in our sleeves and down in our pockets. We're worrisome people. That's at the at the core. Our adopted status reminds us we don't have to be that way. Feel like nobody cares for us. Lives on a success-fail basis when we're real performance-oriented. I kind of default that way. And there's nothing wrong with seeking to achieve in this life. That's a good thing. But when our some identity is wrapped up in our performance, then we're missing the love and relationship that we have. If you feel constantly feel guilty and condemned, sometimes we feel guilty because we've done something wrong, right? But then we're to be reminded, you know, I have this new status. I'm loved by God. Uh, struggles, of course, to trust things. Not very teachable, you know, and is defensive. Uh, I tend to be a little bit that way, too. Probably none of us like to be criticized, like to have something pointed out that we've done wrong. But you know what? We, we, we receive that a lot better when we know that we're loved by a Heavenly Father. So you know what? Yeah, surprise, surprise, I have messed up. And those are some things I probably need to work for. Instead of being defensive and trying to find out what's wrong with other people needing to be right, uh, jump on down there, you know, having a critical spirit. We find ourselves having a critical spirit about other people all the time, probably because we feel like we got to, you know, as the Bible describes it, step on people's necks, you know, <laughs> get you up a little bit higher by slamming them all the way down to the floor. Not much gain in height, but you take others down. Um, it goes on in the last part of that list, feeling powerless to defeat the flesh. That means our sin nature. Um, all of us probably struggle with sin patterns in our lives, uh, like that status of my friend's brother, where he would continue to bang his head against the wall. But the analogy certainly fits. We, we bang our heads against the wall in these patterns. And some of them are really tough to deal with. I'm not going to pretend like they aren't. But one of the realities that can help us to be transformed in those parts of our lives where we know we need to change, we should change for God's glory, is the adopted status we have before God. The contrast, when we're sons and daughters of God, look at that list. We're freed from worry. We know God's love for us. We're in daily partnership with God. We view intimacy, relationship with God. We're feeling uh, not fearful. Now, we still have a reverence of God, reverence of his holiness, but we're not living in fear of condemnation. Prayer is our first resort. We're going to it because we love God and we want to know God. Uh, Freedom from making a name for ourselves. I don't have to make a name for myself because I'm God's adopted child already. I've already got that status. I can seek to see others around me lifted up and elevated, serve them and their purposes. We become teachable. We're actually really open to criticism. Hey, I'd love to hear some thoughts on how I can grow. You're my friend. You care about me. Speak into my life. It it finishes up with a a couple that are really helpful. We don't always have to be right. And we, Lord willing, are beginning to experience more and more of God's grace and God's power, even over those areas of struggle in our lives. I want us to, again, think today. When's the last time? We camped out, meditated, dwelled on, celebrated in our lives the adopted status that we have in Christ. When's the last time that happened? And what can you and I take away from what we talked about today that would help us to move move further and further away from that orphan status? We're always going to cycle back to it. But what would help us to begin to move more towards living in that adopted relationship with God? And boy... Goodness, the the results in our lives, individually, in our workplace, in our families, in our church body, if each of us began to embrace the truth of what Jesus has done for us in adopting us into God's family. Wow, 
Powerful. Powerful and transformative. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that uh, even just this one feature of what you have done for us is something that we could go through and wrestle with and consider upside and down. We just touched the surface of it today. What a privilege to be numbered among your children. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to have eyes to see what it means more clearly. And we thank you for loving us in this incredible way. In Jesus' name, amen.